We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. What up, everybody? Welcome to the midweek episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. It is nice to be back, and we are talking MMA. It feels like forever since we sat down and talked MMA here on the show. So it's great to get back in the swing of things with our three shows a week. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network for hosting the podcast. And make sure you guys check out Bet Online. March Madness is coming up. Taking your bets, you can place multiple brackets on there. Try to win some dough. You know, it's not not a bad bad way to spend your uh, your March here. Trying to win some money on some sports. So make sure you guys check them out and use the promo code Blue Wire, all one word, when you do it for fifty percent sign on bonus. We are back here, uh, Dre. It is nice. It is nice. It's been a, a long time since we talked MMA. I gotta uh, crack open. This Smirnoff spiked seltzer. I am like you now. I'm trying every brand and every oh. which flavor. This is a crazy, or it's cranberry lime. Sooner or later, one of these people shall sponsor a wrestling with stereotypes. I've reached out. So I will try every brand. I'm, listen, I'm not partial to one. Whoever's paying the money, come sponsor the show. I would like these for free every week. So I am sitting down here. We're getting some energy going. A lot happened in MMA that we have to recap. But first, I see congrats. You touched on it on the Monday show just a little bit. 
I wanted to tell the people more about it. You have a South by Southwest panel coming up. Melanated faces and non-melanated places. Yeah. That's catchy. Yeah. Yeah, and I kind of came up with it on the fly. So, yeah. Um, actually, it was a supporter of Wrestling With Stereotypes. Uh, Gregory Gibson, who works with the HBCU Battle of the Brains, which is a, uh, a big thing they have at South by, uh, reached out to me. And asked me about, uh, you know, just my career and everything I've done. And he asked me if I'd be interested in, you know, speaking at this at South by. And I said, yeah, I mean, sure. Um, it, you know, because as much as I talk about diversity, he was like, would you, would you want to do something on diversity? And I said, sure. And he was like, what do you want to call it? And I was like, melanated faces, not melanated places. And he was like, I like it. And I was like, I just literally <laughs> just came up with that shit. Um, but the basis is. It's exactly what it sounds like, you know. I started my career covering uh, hip hop, you know, working hip hop DX and hip hop site and BT, and then I started to make the transition to boxing, film, you know, going to Comic Con, going to uh, Sundance, uh, E3, um, and I've covered all these things. CES, obviously, and I started to realize, like, now, like, especially me being at the zone, like, I am, I know I'm the only black, like, at, like in this. Black person in this particular position. Uh, one of our producers, Lashonda, she's black. But for the most part, there aren't that many black folks. Sergio Moore does commentary, and we like we joke about like hip hop songs and stuff like that. And a lot of people just don't get what the fuck we're talking about. And I started to realize that you know a lot of us get into these positions, and we have to open the door for everybody else to come through them. And I think we, we talked about it a little bit last week. So this panel is with myself, um, Kaz. Uh, who's friend of the show? You know, uh, Wale Mania, uh, Russell Rap. He's done all his things. WWE. Um, Demetria Obalor. Um, I probably should just say her name. You guys should know who she is. Um, and if you don't, I guess you don't check Instagram or whatever. Um, and uh, uh, Lauren Brown, who is a graphic designer at EA Electronic Arts. And yes, it's, it's really talking about the work that we've had to do to get in these positions and how we're looking to pay it forward for the future. And I think at the end of the panel, well, I know at the end of the panel, I'm going to offer internships uh, because it's an HBCU program, Battle of the Brains, and I need more black people at The Zone in Sporting News. Um, by the time you guys hear this, you will have found out that The Zone has gone global. Uh, it's no longer just U.S. We're branching off into a bunch of markets all across the globe. I'm going to need, well, not me personally, but they're going to be looking to bring in more interns and you know, expand a lot. Uh, so, you know, I'm trying to provide opportunities and that's always been my thing. And I don't know if anybody saw my Twitter feed the other day, Angela Nissel, who works on Mixed Dish, uh, who's a good friend of mine. She's one of the producers and writers for Mixed Dish. Uh, somebody was reaching out to her about getting a job and she knows about my panel and she was like, I'm not hiring Andreas is. And we had this ongoing joke because when you don't, when people reach out to you, and you, you don't really have anything for him because you're not the decision maker. Because, like, even at the zone, I'm not the decision maker. I'm not like Joe Markowski or any of those guys. They think you have a problem with them. They call you haters. And you're like, put me on because I can write. And it doesn't really work like that. Um, but my thing is, whatever I can do to help you get into a position where you can succeed, um, I've mentored a lot of people. Uh, you know, whatever I can do to help, I will. But that doesn't mean that I'm obligated to help you just because you say you can write. you got to have a little bit of talent as well. So this panel is going to be all about that. I can't wait to do it. Uh, I haven't been to South By in a while, but this is completely different than me being at South By, like doing some music shit. 
it's really about putting minorities into different spots. So it should be fun. If you're in Austin, Texas, March 13th, 2 to 4 p.m., I believe is the time, something like that. Um, or 2.30, 3.30. I don't know, because we got wrestling stereotypes those times. Everything's messed up. Uh, but, yeah, check my Twitter, Facebook, whatever, and uh, I'll see you there. And I don't know if it's going to be streamed, but it'll be a good time. So, yeah, that's that. Yeah, man, I'm excited for you. I'm excited. It's really cool getting to talk to young professionals and letting them know, like, no, we need more people in these spaces. Showing them, like, no, we have people from gaming to television to journalism all here. And we worked a lot for it. And we want you guys to work just as hard because we need more of us in these spaces. So that's really dope. It's really dope. Anytime you can get out there and speak and do everything there. You mentioned uh, mentoring programs, which is really cool. I see, you know, I've not been to an NABJ yet, but I see a lot of people who are in it and go to these things, have mentors. Um, I think Marcus Vanderberg, friend of the podcast, uh, at Yahoo Sports mentors people. He had mentors you mentor people. I never had a mentor. And it's weird because I know like a lot of other journalists and stuff and like especially black journalists have always had mentors. Like I just didn't know where to get one. Like I, how do you go about that? I'd be like, yo, I like your writing. You want to mentor me? Like do I write you a note with a stamp? And so these little things that people may not know how to do. My mentors was our group chat with me just firing off wild ass hot takes <laughs> that the world will never hear because we spent days of you guys telling me I'm wilding in the group chat so they don't reach Twitter. That's my mentorship yeah. group. You guys are my mentorship group. Because if not, the world would have got the most fuego of takes. Especially early on. Oh, yeah. I was on oh, a roll. The human hot take machine. Full effect five years ago. I've calmed in my old age. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, but I think, you know, you mentioned the group chat, but, you know, Rob from BSO, you can call him a mentor. He, he kind of helped put you in these, these opportunities to succeed. So it's like, for me, you know, mentor has always been a really weird word because it kind of, it sounds weird for a lot of people. And I've never considered, necessarily considered myself a mentor. Like other people have said that I've mentored them. And all I've really done is, you know, I've taken the time out to talk to them. And for some people, it's really that simple, man. Like, to give somebody a vote of confidence or to listen to ideas or to be able to point them in the right direction. I've been fortunate enough to work in so many different spaces um, in media that, you know, it may not be with me over at the zone, but I may know somebody like I've had writers at Hip Hop DX after I left. I've had writers at very I've recommended people for a lot of different jobs. And it's great to see a lot of the people that used to work under me at Hip Hop DX while I was editor in chief. And now they're doing amazing things in different places. Um, and I, and that's kind of what mentoring is. And it's like, it doesn't always have to be like this wide age gap. Cause a lot of people think, Oh, you're mentoring like high school kids. No, everybody kind of needs some help. Um, and for me, I had a little bit of help and it wasn't necessarily by a bunch of black people. You know, when I got to a hip hop site, it was Pizzo, who was a white dude. And my, Matt, Matt Conaway, who was, you know, a publicist for guys like Royce five, nine and DJ premier. Um, he used to be an editor there and they put me on because they liked what I did. And if it wasn't for them, I, I, I maybe wouldn't be where I'm at today because I asked a lot of dumb questions. Um, and it's kind of similar to where uh, Michael Jordan talked about Kobe Bryant in, in you know, that, that 
really moving speech, the greatest of Michael's career, where he talked about the little brother annoys you, but he asks all these questions, and he just needs a sounding board. And I think that's what's key here. And sometimes you just need a sounding board. In our group chat, that's your sounding board where you fire these hot takes, and we go, hold on, don't you say that shit in public. This is why, and then we reel it back in. You, everybody needs somebody to help filter them and to point them in the right direction because, man, it's hard, man. It's hard being a minority working in these industry where there are not a lot of people who look like you, who you, who you don't befriend, um, who's hard, like, hard to have things in common with. Man, I, I mean, even me just being in Texas, we, I had a bunch of conversations with people and about how certain people are just really in positions, not because they're like great writers or great anything. You just know the right people. So I want to be one of those people that you know me and you can get in. You don't have to be as good as that guy. I want you to be better than him. But I know a lot of mediocre people that are in like very rich spots that don't deserve to be there. So I'd rather put my mediocre people and make them better than their mediocre people and make my mediocre people become great people that take those spots. Because I just know way too many people who don't deserve the jobs that they're in. And I know how they got them. And to, now I'm in to position fair, to help them out. To be fair, I say this all the time, I've gotten my jobs a lot off the strength of knowing you. And then knowing people who know you. Or people you've introduced me to. So thank you that have worked already. I, <laughs> I you know, I have a, just a tiny shred of humility. Not much. But I know I am naturally talented at things. Now, am I the technician that you are or other writers are or, you know, of a Marcus Vanderberg as far as editing or just can I do that as well as you guys do that? No, I haven't put in the time to to do that. And you guys are very good at that. And there's writers who are very good at writing and producing clean copies and making your life as an editor very easy. No, it's no I'm more of an idea guy. So yeah, if you're editing me, good luck. I'm not gonna be the worst of them, <laughs> but I'm not going to be the best of them. But I will tell you this: we're gonna have something of an idea where no other platform is going to think this way. So you'll get very unique content. Yeah, you're gonna have to stop me from rambling here. You're going to have to clean shit up. A lot of your stuff when you were editing me was structure. Like yo, Kel, this is all right, but this whole paragraph should be up here and then you got to shift this whole shit down and make it make sense like you can't bury this whole part this is what the hell we're here for so i was like okay cool like i get that so that makes me better as a writer obviously in the long run but you you have these things but i had these opportunities because i knew you because of shit i wrote for champions for like four or five months that made me exponentially better and then that led to my job with Ronda Rousey and me going to free wrestling for a year and telling you, yo, Dre, I got an extra ticket. Come down. We're watching like Royal Rumble and floor seats. Yeah. Like, so these little like positions you helped me get or put me in did exactly that. Granted, I work harder than 95% of the people out there. That usually keeps me afloat. Like, whatever. You don't like my technical aspects? Cool. I know worse writers. But whatever. But I'm outworking everyone. So if I give you insane amounts of content, you're just going to have to eat that. So that that keeps me afloat wherever I go. My job now, I work outwork everyone. So that's cool. They have no problem with me. But it gets me to these positions where people are like, yo, how the hell do you get to ESPN over everyone else? I don't know. I've had a million different jobs and written 
I've wrote for a bunch of different places, a lot thanks to you. So when they came across my resume, they're like, yo, this kid's kind of interesting. Then they talked to me, and after that, it was a wrap. So I say all of that to say this. You and the biggest thing of this whole program and this panel and as someone just watching it and hearing about it from you is the biggest thing you're giving and people like you and I don't even notice it. I don't know if you notice this, but you give young writers, young people in general, people like me, the opportunity for error. Minorities don't have a margin of error. We have to come in polished. We have to have a four-year degree. We have to have... We, we can't make the mistakes on the job some other people can make. Whether you're a woman, whether you're uh, uh, Spanish, if you're black, if you're brown, wherever you're from. If you're European coming over, there's a little bit of a language barrier. Brazil, we see that in combat sports. You don't have the margin of error that traditionally what they're looking for fits. And I remember I tell this story all the time on the podcast. I almost got banned from the UFC because they thought I was a different black guy. And then the same UFC when I started, uh, hit up Rob was like, yo, he wore his hat. I didn't have a haircut that day. I wore, I wore a hat, but I dressed up outside of that. I wore his hat. It was unprofessional. Granted, may or may not be. But I saw people in shorts and T-shirts. They were bigger guys, but you're covering the sports in, in shirts and T-shirts and promo hats from like Budweiser. On Meteor Row. But no, they told me that. I had no margin of error. But you providing these opportunities, internships, uh, writing opportunities, letting people grow, that gave me a margin of error. Other editors might not have given me that margin of error. At Champions, I had a margin of error. error. I got better. It turned into other opportunities. I worked hard during it, but I could, I could fail. I could try. I could fail. I could get better. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. Like... Sometimes, as minority, you feel that pressure because you know I can't make one mistake because my one mistake could ruin my one chance, and it's a wrap. And that's what has to be changed. Yeah, and I mean, the one other thing that we can dive head first is that um, I appreciate you saying that, first of all, because I mean, it, it, it really does mean a lot for me. Uh, but the other thing is that this is a space where... We, we do, do talk about the margin for error, but my thing has always been you can't teach voice and personality. Like You can teach technical writing, and editing can clean up technical writing. You can teach the sport. You can't teach creative people. Creative people are just creative. You can refine their ideas, but I've always been a guy like when I worked at DX, which is crazy, and I'll, I'll be very upfront about this. There are shittier writers in combat sports than there are in music in the music industry. There are some damn <laughs> good writers in the music industry. There are some yeah. shitty writers in combat sports. Anyway, when I worked at Hip Hop DX and people would come across and say, I want to write for you, I would have them send me a writing sample. I never asked them what college they went to. I didn't give a shit. I wanted to see the ideas that they put on paper. And, you know, I have them do, send me a sample writing piece. And if it was written... Like, if it's written terribly, that's one thing. If it's, like, completely terrible, I'm like, right, this can't work. But if you're good, and I can see the ideas that you're, like, you have an alternative way of thinking. That's, that's how I used to look at it. If you could present your ideas in a different way, from a different perspective, that people may not be aware of or may not have thought about before, I can fix everything else. And that's what I've always wanted to work with. Because 
black folks or minorities in general, a lot of us haven't had the opportunity to go to some of these great colleges and universities. I didn't. I went to Morehouse. Listen, guys, I was a college dropout, not through any fault of my own. That's a whole nother story, and I'm not getting into that right now. But I didn't finish college, but I knew music. I knew combat sports. I knew these spaces. But you got a fire in your, your house something? Yeah, there's a fire alarm going off. What the hell is going on here? I, I feel like, <laughs> do we have to pause the podcast? Is the crib burning? All right, everybody, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, now that March has arrived, we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure you head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. That's right, I said 100K and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action. And with the multiple entries available, it's the season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all of your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure you use that promo code, BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now let's get back to the show. All right, everybody. Uh, we are back, trying to get situated here. It was uh, a little crazy uh, set of events here. Alarms went off. I'm sure as you guys could hear a little bit before we cut out, and then had to evacuate the crib for a second. It turns out that a laundry device, I don't know if it was washing machine or a dryer, in the laundry room downstairs on the first floor caught fire. Burnt up the whole side of the wall. Fire department came. They put it out. I'm back in the crib. I evacuated with a pair of flip-flops, my basketball shorts from one of the high schools I coached at in Vegas, and a beanie, an ESPN beanie. That's it. I put a t-shirt on. Uh, I grabbed my laptop, though. Never leave without the laptop. But yeah, so that was, uh, that was a little bit wild, man. I grabbed my wife, my laptop, my wallet, and I was out. That's how real men evacuate right there. Yeah, so that's special. We, <laughs> we are back in the building. At least she knows she's loved. That's the key. <laughs> she knows. Like, yo, if I grab my wallet and you, it used to be I grab my Xbox slash PlayStation, my laptop, and my wallet, and that's all I need in life. When I got kicked out by my ex-wife out of the crib for having a girlfriend on the side when she found out. That's all I requested. Let me take all of this. And then I came back the next day. She had my stuff packed outside. But those are the important things. That day I knew what was important to me. That has now changed. My new wife, thankfully, shout out to Elena who listens, uh, is now part of this. I did not carry her out, but I would have, if need be, in a situation of peril. So uh, we are back, though. It, it is wild. I just say we get right into MMA I, I don't know. Well, it, it's just bananas. So let's get into UFC because I feel like it was pushing us that way anyway. We yeah. have a lot of UFC to recap. 
and I've kind of listed a few things out for us to talk about over the past three weeks. First thing, Diego Sanchez's coach. Is this guy a cult leader? Who is this dude? Who is he? He reminds me of, um, God damn it. I don't know. I was trying to, I can't think of his name right now. Yo, just, he's, just he's a, a wild dude. Do it. He's, like, he's, he's kind of weird. Man. Like, have you ever seen Road Trip? Yeah. In Road Trip. Yeah, there's like the nerdy dude who at the end ends up leading a cult. He's like that dude. Yeah, man. I can't call it. The whole the whole Diego Sanchez situation as a whole is just like he lives to fight another day regretfully. Like, god damn it. <laughs> he <laughs> like, won once. Technically he won. He won That's off of a DQ. That's like the worst way to win and be like, yes, the MMA gods want me to continue my MMA career. No, we don't. And we're not the MMA gods, but we don't want to see you fight again. You and BJ no Penn, one. hang it up. Please. Jeez. They should fight each other. No. Loser goes home match. I'm good. I'm good. That's a geriatric (laughs) championship. Yeah. Listen, man. He lives to fight another day. He survived in a wild-ass match. So we're going to get a lot more Diego Sanchez, I feel like, going forward. Um, Another match I want to talk about, which was the main event of UFC Fight Night 167. Uh, It is Corey Anderson versus Jan Blakovich. Corey Anderson no longer beasting 25-8, but has like some other weird nickname, proves my point. One, when you appoint yourself your own nickname, you're doomed anyway. Two, when you change your nickname, no matter how dumb it was prior, you are doomed to lose. He was no longer beasting for more than 24 hours, got caught slipping. Jan Blakovich knocked his bock off in the first round. Corey Anderson was talking shit to the likes of John Jones. He thought he was ready for the bump up. And now it's a wrap. The momentum has ceased. What do you think of that fight, remembering back to it? I mean, yes, yeah, exactly kind of what you said. Corey, you were talking all that trash, and you got knocked out by Jan Blackwich. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing for you, bro. Like, listen, I said it before. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko has the biggest gap in her between the champion and the challengers. John Jones is second because at least yeah. his fights are com- have been remotely competitive. Shevchenko is just demolishing everybody. But somebody like Corey Anderson he says he's, you know, the next guy in line. No, you're not. You just got to put to sleep. And, yeah, your nickname's always been terrible. He's just always struck me as a weird dude to have that kind of a nickname because, man, my little brother, brother-in-law, uh, when he used to play wrestling video games, he used to always, like, we used to play, like, Here Comes the Pain. And he named his, like, creative wrestlers, like, the wackest names, like, Blaster, Blazer, Taser. It sounded like the, like, the cast of American Gladiators, right? And that's what I think of Corey Anderson. Like, Beastage, that's the best shit you could come up with? Beasted? You got beasted. Congratulations. Yeah, that was just a horrible nickname. So, yeah, it, it was karma was coming to get him for that one. Yo, if it was um, pro wrestling, they would have gave him the You Deserve It chant. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get MMA crowds like pro wrestling crowds. Yeah. Just You just start, you deserve it. Yeah. And just start the clap going. <laughs> Yo, he really did those coming, coming for him. Y'all Blackovich, of course, does the thing everyone does at Light Heavyweight now, which is call out John Jones. Yeah. I guess, man. Whatever. Like, 
you have eight losses. Like you're Shoot not gonna beat John Jones. Yeah, do do whatever you can. Moving on to Fight Night 168, the week after, which I don't even remember what this was, New Zealand. Auckland, New Zealand. Um we had Paul Felder versus Dan Hooker in yeah. what was a very sad match. <laughs> like I I've grown to like Paul Felder as an analyst, right? So that and he was on he was on a really good streak. I think he won what six of his last seven, seven of his last eight. But it just showed Dan Hooker to me is better. Paul Felder survived, but he took an ass whooping. And I the fight was the, really close. Do you? I, yeah, that fight was a, a, that was a fifty fifty fight like that. I had a four to one. No, no. I, you had a three two. Yeah. And I don't the, know. I had a four one. Felder's was, talking about hanging him up. Dude, I, like everybody knows, I've been a big fan of the American Dragon, and I think he's excellent in commentary. I think he's great. I mean, I like him as a person too. Like, I I don't know. I don't know how much higher he can go. He could beat up on the middle of the card, like you know, middle of the division, all he wants. But this was just like I, I thought Dan. Hooker beat him in every aspect he had to beat him. I, I had a four one. We did not watch the same fight. I thought that, <laughs> I thought it was much closer. Yeah, what and did I the think judges for, have? for Paul Felder, I think it was three two. I think it was a split decision, wasn't it? It was close. I don't I don't know what you were watching. Anyway, forty nine percent strike total strikes landed to fifty six. Okay, sure, no takedowns landed. I don't know. I thought he lost handily. Maybe ass whooping's too strong, right? Asswoman might be too strong, but I, I thought he lost, and and now Dan Hooker type of guys are his ceiling. Asswoman might be too strong. Let me let me dial it back. But I thought he lost four to one. Like I feel like if Donald Cerrone can hang around, I think like Paul Felder is like the same type of guy who gives everybody a good fight and always comes. <laughs> That's to fight. Like I think, I think Paul Felder. Yes, he's like a great analyst, and I just you know the the sad part was watching him talk about hanging them up because he's given so yeah. much to the sport. Like he fight, he brings it every time he fights. I don't want to see him go. Like this fight was incredible. It was entertaining. These guys gave to each other. They were giving each other the business, and I don't want to see Paul Felder retire. But you know it's his call, and he's got a future in broadcast because he's really, really good and he's really likable. So every judge had it. Every judge had it two two going into the fifth. Yeah. And one judge gave it to Felder in the fifth. I don't see that at all. I mean, because so. it was it was one of those things that you say, it's like Hooker got a takedown, he didn't do nothing with it. So that's, that's true. why the Felder got that round. So it was it was a close yeah, yeah. fight. But Hooker came out the game buster. Hooker took the first two. I thought he took the third, but they everyone has Felder taking the third and the fourth. Yeah. The fourth I gave, I gave to Felder. He dug deep. And then I guess the third was my swing bout. I got to watch it again. Maybe he did win the third. That take down oh, was the last one. I don't think Felder should retire. I, th- I think he was really I don't think so at all. I, just, I think he's a hell of a fighter. I think, you know, in that division, he still is a problem. He's a handful for just about everybody in that division. And he's fun to watch. So this is cool. But if you, can't, if you can't get to the title, when is enough enough? Because I really like him as, as a broadcaster. Yeah. So when the, like if he's not going to be champion, how long do you fight? You know. I don't know. I mean, I, maybe you hit. That I, I want to see him fight more, but fuck, I don't know. If you hit that Robbie Lawler stride, you could be right back in the title picture. You never know. You never know. That's he's true. That talented, so 
We shall. That's see. true. Um, we'll move on to the next event, which was last weekend. But before we do that, Carolina Kovacavich, I'm not sure how she just keeps losing. And she got wrecked this one. Yeah. Um, she was always, to me, one of the top, you know, upper echelon female fighters in any division. And then she gets wrecked last week. And maybe I should just pay more attention to, uh, I can't pronounce her last name. You, you gotta help me out. Jan? Uh, regardless, she wrecked Carolina. <laughs> and she, like, messed up her whole eye. She broke her orbital. The, the, yeah. I'm not the pronunciation police. And the Chinese names are hard for me. But a 12-1 record and one no contest speaks for itself. But then you look, strawweight just gets even deeper at the top. And two years ago, I thought... You know, Kovacavich was the second best woman at straw weight almost. She was always an excellent striker, but, you know, sometimes the game just passes you by. And this is one of those situations where it just seems like everybody's kind of figured her out. And getting her orbital broken, she's got a career to consider now. So, yeah. don't know where she goes from here. Um, but seeing that, it was like, damn, like, I remember you, you know, like you said, you you was one of the ones that we thought was going to make Wars with the Yolanda. Yep. Yeah. Move up and wait. Here we are. It's, yep. it's not good for getting punched in the face, but move up and wait. We need new contenders at 125. Indeed. Stop cutting weight. Um, then we have last weekend, two things I want to touch on from that one. I guess three. I forgot to put one on our list. But the uh, Magomed fight, when Kudalaba just runs in his face. Kudalaba runs in his face and... Magomed almost takes him down before everything happens. People got to rush in. I'm like, oh, shit, we got to brawl. No, they end up fighting. And then was the stoppage premature? This this is a tough one. Kudahaba um, said he was, just, he was just acting like he was rocked. Yeah, that's always the bullshit, right? Like somebody says, <laughs> I was acting like I got rocked. You probably got rocked. Like everybody gets knocked out. Always says they're okay. After, you know, the ref pulls the guy off of you, it's like, oh, no, I was good. No, you weren't. You're getting beamed. So, but I, I did feel like this was really close. So, I'm not mad at the stoppage at all. But I'm, I'm more upset with the excuse. I would, like, come on, man. Don't do that. Don't say you were playing possum. Do they got to run it back? No. I don't think they have to run it back. No, I think it's a waste um, of time for Magomed. I think this was, like, you know, a speed bump fight for him. Yeah. Um, you know, and they need new contenders. Let's just be honest. So keep pushing them up the rankings. Like, no, I, I don't need to run that back. But the guy has a... The the ref gave a case for it being stopped a little too early. I thought he was going to get knocked out sooner or later anyway. That's what it felt like. Yeah, so he, he saved him a bunch of pain. But who knows? The guy came out as the Incredible Hulk. And he yeah. constantly yells in people's faces. So who who knows? I didn't pick him as a winner anyway. Then uh, the two women's featherweight fights had big, I guess, big stakes heading into this one because we already know that Amanda's trying to defend both belts, which she should. Neither division is deep enough for her to vacate a title. So Amanda Nunez is trying to defend both belts. She wants to, by all reports, defend it in May in Brazil. So... One of these four women heading into these fights had to make quick work so that they can do a pretty quick turnaround, eight weeks to May, to fight Amanda Nunez. 
Lo and behold, two of the women do a quick turnaround. Megan Anderson knocks out uh, Dumont in the first round with a slick right hand. And then we have Felicia Spencer just wrecking Dos Santos in the co-main event. Who deserves the title fight? Felicia Spencer. Megan was the darling before this, though. She was, but she hasn't looked good. Like, her fight, like, aside from this, she hasn't looked all that great. I'm going with Felicia Spencer. Doesn't matter. They're both going to get wrecked. But I'm going to go with Felicia Spencer. I just felt like she was really do- I felt like she was really dominant. And, um, again, it's like Megan, is, you know, Megan was the darling. And I just, like, she can wait. She ain't going nowhere. You can Two fight winning streak. I mean, that's fair. Like, Spencer has a submission victory over her, right? Yeah. So it should be end of discussion there. But, I mean, it's not. People thought, like, okay, Megan's done enough to earn it. And people, that's who people always want to see fight Cyborg since, what, Strike Force. Not Strike Force, uh, whatever, Invicta, when Megan was champion. So you look at it, but Spencer has the win, so Spencer should probably get the next shot. I mean, Megan not Anderson. to mention, not to mention that Felicia Spencer went the distance with Cyborg. So she's a badass. True. You're like, you're like you beat Megan Anderson, you went the distance with Cyborg, and then you just completely wreck Dos Santos. That's that's fair enough. I'll take that fight. I and, and to be clear, like. When Felicia Spencer fought Cyborg, because every most of us were just like Cyborg's just gonna run her over, and she didn't. Yep. Right there, I was like, "Yo, she's tough." So it'd be interesting to see if Amanda can can stop Felicia Spencer. If Amanda, since Cyborg couldn't, can Amanda? That's yeah, that might be just a, a brawl, twenty five minute brawl. Yeah. Who knows? Like that's, and, and we don't know. It we've seen it once, what twice, but all the time Amanda's question mark was always the gas tank. Yeah. And we got to see. We got to see if that holds up. It's been great in recent years, but there's also times where she hasn't had to use it. Let's see if she gets taken to deep water. Um, In the main event, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Joseph Benavidez. And and Megan Olivi is one of the nicest people you ever meet for people listening to this. Uh, Megan's great. Joseph is great. In Vegas all the time, they're just a fun couple. They're great people. This was the time when it felt like the stars aligned for Joseph Benavides to become champion. Davison Figueroa missed weight. Going into the fight by two and a half pounds, didn't try to cut more weight, so he couldn't win the title. It was like, okay, flyweight championship in the air, vacated by Triple C, the king of cringe. This is time for Joseph Benavides to come save the division and finally become champion. And he gets stopped in the second round, a bloody mess, to Figueiredo, who now owns the best finishing percentage in UFC flyweight history. Over Mighty Mouse, over everyone. All right. Shut down the division. (laughs) What? Are you going to make Figueiredo move up? Yeah, I mean, dude... If this wasn't a sign like this shit is never going to work, there's no, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. The guy has one loss and that's like one loss ever. Yeah, I know. But he didn't make weight. And But here, okay, I want to be clear though. Figueroa didn't make weight, but it's the only time he's he's missed weight in his career. But 
there couldn't be a worse time for you to miss weight. <laughs> the absolute like, worst time. <laughs> like, dude, there's a vacant title on the line, and then you go, your overweight ass comes in, you knock out Benavides. In a weird way, because Benavides, like, right before he got knocked out, he was, like, wiping blood from his face, and then he got creamed. And it was like, all right, well, this is like this is like the division in a nutshell. The title's vacant again. Like, it almost... And... There's, and Give her back to Cejudo. Just let him hold it. Just for the fuck I, of it. I just feel like... I don't want... I, I mean, Benavides is too small for Benavides. I don't really know where he goes from here anyway. I don't, but the, the rest of these guys? Who cares? And I, I don't mean like... Go to Bellator. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like there's a home for you here. And there's barely enough flyweights to make up the division. I think there are 15 flyweights. That's why in the rankings, all 15 are there. Because there's nobody else to take their place. There's nobody in division. So, this is a sign. It's just like, yeah, maybe we should move on to this division. Because really, it was, the only guy that was there was Ben. If Benavides would have won, I'd be like, cool. But the fact that he didn't, if Figueroa missed weight, it sucks. Just shut down the division. <laughs> shut down. All, all 13 other guys, you're out of a job. Yeah, man. <laughs> move like, move up or bounce. <laughs> it's, it it just sucks, but I can't, I can't help it. They just it, need man. new blood. They need new blood in the division. But since like Mighty Mouse weight. has been gone, it's been around long enough where you can find new people to bring in and sign. It just feels like it feels like the women's featherweight division, except there ain't no real champion. There's no competition. I mean, this it's whack. And I don't it's know if they just refuse to bring in champion. Yeah. yeah, it's like they, I don't know if they just don't care about bringing in anybody, but this division just feels like whatever. Call it they haven't brought in new people since they did the Ultimate Fighter for that division. Yeah, do you see how that worked out? Well, Demetrius creams everyone at that. Like no one's being Demetrius. This is it was, this was whack. Like seeing this was sad because I'm you know I'm obviously at the Mikey Garcia Jesse Vargas fight and I looked and I was like oh word, this is this was your main event too. Like this title is meaningless. It has no yeah. home. Ugh, it sucks. Ah, uh, all that's hard for this and. Then uh, let's preview the fight for this weekend. So we have what I think is a good card. But it's kind of like a hardcore MMA fans card. So only one thing I feel like we have to talk about on the prelims. And that's the return of Sean, Sugar Sean O'Malley. Get high. Yes. The guy's been out for a little bit of the ganja. But the rules have changed. Or no, he failed to test for God knows what supplement. But he's been smoking ganja and playing Fortnite. So, keeping himself busy. Um, He looked really good. He looked like the guy who has the style, the skill, everything to put stuff together. Coming back now, do you think he picks up where he left off? He's only 25. Absolutely. I mean, he's got a ton of talent. He's tall as shit. He can crack. It's fun to watch. Yeah. I think it'll be perfectly fine. It comes from the MMA lab in Arizona. Like, he's good. He's good to go. I'm glad to see him back. And I think a lot of the fans yeah. will be glad to see him back as well. And he got injured beforehand. So, really, this just extended his break. He's so healthy right now. Yeah. Because didn't he, like, mess up his foot? Or his oh, ankle? Something, something went crazy in a fight. But he oh, won on one leg. Yeah. The guy the refused to, like, take him down. It was the Vegas card. It was, uh... Was it Tyrion Ware? Yeah, Tyrion Ware. Um, no, no, no. It was... Uh, oh, damn. Right I remember it? the guy refused to take him down. 
which was incredible. The, <laughs> O'Malley had one one leg. It was Sukuta. That's what Andre Sukuta. That's who it was. And uh, yeah, yep. exactly. He hurt himself in that fight. And he didn't take him down. It was a weird fight. And that was shit two years ago. So yeah, UFC two twenty two. So two years ago. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see him back. It'll be uh, it'll be fun to see Sugar back in business. So. It's the only fight I really care about in these prelims. Like, this is a solid card, but let's not be confused here. This isn't like the barn burner. Um, no, main card is better than the prelims. So then we have uh, Cowboy Oliveira versus Max Griffin. Cowboys look good. Give them the win. Right? Like, I mean, we got to pick it. Give him the win. I'm gonna. I'm actually going to go with Max Griffin because I feel like Max Griffin's gotten shafted on a few scores. And, uh... Cowboy Oliveira's going to come to fight. I think this actually might be a sleeper fight. This could be a really good fight. But I'm just going to go with Max Griffin just because I feel like it. <laughs> just, That's it. Just in a toss-up. Yeah. Like, oh, might as well. Um, I no, I, I agree. I think it's going to be a good fight, though. So that's that's what matters most. They'll throw hands. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Another welterweight fight. Neil Magny versus Yves Leon. Um, Neil Magny always surprised me, man. I'll go with Neil Magny. Even though he's the underdog, no, yeah, of course. Like conventional wisdom says, peak, pick uh, Yi in this one. Yeah, I'm picking Lee Jinlang because he's just he's. I mean, he's big as shit. Um, so is Neil Magny. Don't get get confused. Magny's reach is incredible, but yeah, I'm going with Lee. Yeah, you can have Magny on this one. Yeah, I feel like Magny just always surprises me in these moments. Um, next fight, Benil Dariush. Versus close, uh, I don't know who to pick. So, you want to give me Darius? Why not? I'm Darius has been slipping though. Look, I'm picking Jakar close. I feel like we're going opposites on just about everything here. Yeah, Jakar close has been. He's been on a three yeah. fight winning streak. He only lost to David Teamer in a fight that, if I remember correctly, Teamer kind of like just wrestled the hell out of him. And Jakar is actually he's pretty good. So Darius is good as well. And Darius Darius is really good, but he loses weird fights to me. Yeah, listen, I'm going to pick Jakar close cause just because he's had a nice little run. He's very solid. He's not really a finisher. I don't think he's had a stoppage in his UFC career. So that's that could be a little bit problematic. So, you know, if anybody's betting the over-under here, this fight's probably going the over. Um, but I'm going to pick Jakar close. I think he's going to put it together and, and win a split decision. Yeah, I'm not picking that. Darius, he gets ca- got caught by Camacho in a weird submission. Um, him and Close supposed to fight. 2019 July it looks like give me Darius to win um Weili Zhang and now we're getting to it Joanna and Jacek in the co-main it's tough Joanna's really good Weili Zhang stops her mm, stop the it. game yeah Weili her level of pressure is insane mm. I think she stops Joanna if Rose could stop Joanna, I think Wei Li is a whole different level than Rose. Well, okay. I'm picking Wei Li Zhang as well. Um, but to me, this is very similar to Chocolatito's fight that just passed this week. Where we had to figure out what was left in Chocolatito's tank. And Chocolatito came out and showcased his talent. And proved that, yeah, I'm still here. This is Joanna's Chocolatito fight. Like, if you're going to still be here, you kind of need to win this fight. 
Granted, Willie Zhang is a lot better than Carly Gafai. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, that's not equal. Yeah, it's, that's anyways. not equal. But Joanna has had a lot of chances with this title. And if you don't get it now, if you can't win now, this is it. This is it. I mean, let me. If I'm, how many title fights, title opportunities she had? She lost Shevchenko for the flyweight title. Uh, she got stopped by Naman Yunus, and then she got the immediate rematch, and then lost the decision there. Um, yep. This should be Tisha Torres and Michelle Watterson, whatever. Willie Zhang is obviously a lot better of a pressure fighter. Uh, she proved that with Andrade. She just kind of mowed her down. And I don't know if Joanna and Jacek has the pop to keep Zhang off of her. So while I question the fact that you said Zhang would stop her, I wouldn't be surprised. Because that pressure is pretty unique. And and plus, she mowed down Jessica Andrade, who was like a savage at this weight class. Yeah. And murdered her. So I'm gonna And her submissions, like her last two stoppages beforehand were submissions. And I don't trust Yuana on the ground. That's also true. I mean, Zhang is like what, like Bernard Hopkins? She loses her first fight and then just never looks back. Like Zhang is she's a finisher. And she's she's tough and tough as nails. She's been dominant. I mean, look, man. Tisha gave her a tough fight, and they went the distance. It's still but unanimous. Tisha survived off of tough, toughness. Yeah, like Whaley Zhang lost her first fight by unanimous decision. No other fight has been necessarily close since. Either yep. she stops you, or she wins a unanimous decision. There is nothing that's just like, oh, that was a close fight. So I'm picking Whaley Zhang, uh, and she's a problem. She is a problem for this division. Unless, for some reason, this wild coronavirus thing has had a, taken a big toll on her. If you've read the, read the stories, uh, we interviewed her this past week. She's talked to ESPN. It, this, this path to this fight has been a freaking headache for this girl. So that could be the only thing that I could see that could stop her. I don't think Joanna's got the tools to stop Willie Zane. No, I mean, if Joanna wins, it goes 25, and Joanna turns this into a kickboxing match and outpoints her. Yeah, but I don't even Which see that. I, it is nuts. It's remember the time tough. that you want? Remember when Joanna was like the greatest female fighter of all time? Like it was. Oh, it wasn't hands, that too long ago. Yeah, no, thought she was unbeatable. And Rose just Rose proved that Joanna had a lot of Mike Tyson in her, yeah. where people were so scared to attack her that it was kind of like analysis by paralysis, right? Like or paralysis by analysis. Excuse me, and. They were just freaked out before they went in against her. Then Rose proved, no, I'm just going to pressure and bring it to her and let's see how the bully reacts. And the bully didn't react well. And I, I think Willie Zhang is as much the same. There, there's no more mystique around Joanna. Like, no, yeah. we're going to pressure her and see how she reacts. That's and she's going to try to be a point fighter and she's not going to win this. This is her Chocolatito fight. Like... Chocolatito was known for his pressure. He got stopped. He lost the decision. Then he got stopped, which is the reverse of Joanna. She got stopped first, then lost the decision. And now everybody's wondering what's left in the tank. It's just that Willie is, is a different type of beast. Chocolatito got Caligafi, which is like, all right, cool. You can beat this guy. We just got to figure out where you're at. This is a tough fight for Joanna to figure out where she's at. Michelle Watterson, yeah, she's better than her. But Willie Zhang, problem. Problem, problem, problem. So, yeah. Joanna hasn't taken many steps back. Like, she hasn't really fought enough fights against people coming up to clear the air and prove that. They're like, okay, win one fight. Go back, win one fight, title shot. Go back, win one fight, title shot. Like, she's always been at the top. 
Yeah, true indeed. So then, in the main event, the beginning of the run of, why the hell did this person get a title shot? Yoel Romero is taking on Ezra Adesanya because Boricino is injured and they ain't got shit else. So, Israel called out Romero. Romero's on a two-fight losing streak. But that shit doesn't matter. He can punch someone's face off if need be. But I predict Adesanya winning. Stoppage. (sighs) Fuck it. It could be a brawl. It could go all the way. It's a dangerous fight. But I I just think he's... Romero's too boxy, winds up a little too much. I think Adesanya can stay away from that. Dude, okay. So, of all the undeserving people getting a title shot, I'm not mad at Romero versus Adesanya. Because I thought Romero was close enough to beating Whitaker that you could make a case in that fight. Um, you know, obviously murdered Chris Ryman. Um, and he lost a brawl with Boratina. So, you know, with nobody else there, it's like, and nobody wants to fight Romero. But I'm with you on this because I'm saying Adesanya is going to stop him. It's just, and, and the problem here is like, I'm looking at Romero and I've been looking at him for all these years. And I'm going, why are you not wrestling people? You're a world-class wrestler, yet you continue to throw hands like you're a world-class striker. And you're not. Mm -hmm. You're built like a super soldier. I get it. Like, when you load up and land, I get it. You kill people. You crushed Chris Weidman with that flying knee. You crushed Luke Rockle, who has a glass jaw. But you're dealing with a striker of the highest level in Israel Adesanya. And that what you said was very key. He winds up a lot, and that's enough for Adesanya to either fire one right down the middle and catch him, or head kick his ass and put him to sleep. Not maybe not even put him to sleep, but just get a stoppage. Adesanya's too sharp for a lot of the bullshit that Romero's gonna try in this fight. The only chance that Romero really has is like like being real explosive and Adesanya's just not ready for it. Or he wrestles him. And he could kind of make the fight easy. Like, but he won't do it. Romero said he just won't do it. As great of a wrestler he is, he just does dumb shit. And I think that's why Adesanya picked him. He's like, this fool ain't going to wrestle me. He's got too much pride <laughs> in his striking. It's yeah, nuts. he's going to stand up with me for 25 minutes. Like, I might take a couple big punches, but don't let him catch me clean. I'm going to piece his ass up. Yeah, and, and it, that, that's the point. Like, when he fought Boratina, those two just, they just threw everything at each other. They were just throwing punches. There was no real technique. It was like, whoever lands is going to sleep. Adesanya sets this shit up quite well. If you look at the Whitaker fight, it wasn't like by happenstance. If you look at the Gasolin fight, where he damn near smoked Gasolin in the fifth round, this was all technique. And Romero's just kind of one-dimensional when it comes to striking. So I fully expect Adesanya to, to get him out of there at some point. And it's really Romero's fault more than anything else. A guy who refuses to play to his strengths. That is so stupid, but that's what he does. But what if he comes out and he says, you know what? This is the day. Then he wins. No, he's not. I still think Adesanya's takedown defense is good enough. Against a world-class wrestler like Romero? Like, dude, Romero, if if he really put his foot on the gas, he could George St. Pierre just about anybody in this weight class. And he just he's does so it. damn big. He's so damn big. Like, if he just shoots... Yeah, and he gets you on the ground. How do you get him off of you? That's what I'm saying. But that's and he just won't do it. It's it's, like, it's the most bizarre. It's one of the most bizarre things in MMA, because you watch him and you go, as soon as he knocks somebody out, you go, oh shit, that's bad. Because now that he's knocked somebody out, now he thinks he can do it to everybody. So it, you know, and credit to Robert Whitaker who kind of shrugged off all those takedown attempts, but Romero still spent much of that fight throwing hands. And it's like, what are you trying to prove, fool? Win a fight. 
win a fight. God damn it. Like, it's frustrating. And Adesanya looks at that and is just like, I'm just going to pick him off. And he's going to pick Romero off. And then it's like everybody's going to call for the John Jones fight, but that fight shouldn't happen next. Not yet. No, uh, Boricina has to come back. Yeah, of course. But people are And nuts. he has to fight him. Yeah, people are nuts. So, I mean, John Jones really don't got shit else to do. So I'm not mad at people calling for it. But no, it's still a little too premature. But these guys need each other sooner or later down the road. So hopefully they keep winning. Because sooner or later they got a date. And it doesn't hurt Adesanya at all. Go up and challenge John Jones. If you lose, you come back, you're still a champion. Yeah. No harm, no foul. But they, they definitely have to build to it. And that's going to be a fun fight if everything breaks right and we get that. But MMA is weird. All it takes is one punch. Tiny gloves. So we'll see how this plays out this weekend. It was fun doing this MMA show, which took almost twice as long due to my fire evacuation. But thank you guys for listening. Make sure you guys follow us at the corner or excuse me, at corner podcast underscore on Twitter. Me at Cal Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. Shout out to Blue Wire again for letting us do this three times a week. Make sure you guys check out our wrestling show on Friday. Pack full of stuff. Finally breaking down AW Revolution, in which I'm seeing now in our group chat. That someone labeled this a 10 out of 10 pay-per-view. They've been scoring pay-per-views, American pay-per-views, for over three decades. And they've only given two pay-per-views a 10 out of 10. This was one of them. Oh boy, I can't wait to talk about this on Friday. So make sure you guys are there. Dre, can't wait to talk everything from pro wrestling with you. And preview WWE, of course. Oh, we still got to talk the last WWE joint, but... Just, no. uh, we got a preview me, elimination chamber. Stop, stop. So, no. <laughs> uh, I'll see you on Friday. Thank you guys for listening. For now, though, we're out. Peace. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.